This is your host, Vernon Terrell with Grace Ministries International, and it's time for Walking Free. Well, I'm so glad you're back with us as we continue the discussion uh, with myself and Tammy Rivenbart, both of us on staff at Grace Ministries International. Welcome, Tammy. Thank you. Well, if you haven't heard the last episode, stop. (laughs) I want you to go back. You don't have to. You're going to do what you're going to do anyways, right? But it might be good for you to go back and listen to our last episode where Tammy and I both share our story of our spouses who passed away. Now, as a recap, my uh, wife, Brenda, passed away from breast cancer, uh, which metastasized to the brain. And the journey started in 2004, first diagnosis, and she passed away in November 2015. And that was, we were just shy of our 30th anniversary. Um, That would have been February of the following year. And uh, she... um, Oh, gosh, I have to do the math on how old, because she was 53, something like mm-hmm. that. Um, what's, give us a quick recap for you and John. Sure. So, um, so John, my husband John, died in 2018 of um, pancreatic cancer, and but he had been battling cancer for six years mm-hmm. that began with colon cancer, and... Um, yeah, he was he was 52 when he died. I was 49, widowed at 49. We had three children that were in their 20s, and um, and we had moved away. Um, we had relocated when he was in remission. So, so cancer and uh, cancer complicated the launching of some of my children mm-hmm. and. And it stranded me. It's so funny, you know, growing up in the church, I always, I knew the story of Ruth a million and one times, but now I was identifying with Naomi, you know, wow. being widowed in a foreign land, kind of. Mm-hmm. That's what Alabama is, you know, Vernon. It's a foreign <laughs> land. <laughs> Definitely, especially if you're a Georgia Bulldog fan. But, um, but yeah. But your kids, again, they were in their 20s. Mm-hmm. And a little contrast uh, for me, mine were, um, my autistic son was um, 17, my next in line daughter was 15, studying for her driver's exam, and my youngest was 12, almost 13. Mm. So we have a, a bit of a different stage of life thing for our kids anyways. Sure. Because um, it took us, again... 12 years to have our first that was another crazy story (laughs) but uh so there's i think we both had our share of challenges yes uh, with (laughs) this uh awful thing well let's talk about some of those um let me pick your brain on some practical stuff first yeah and i I just want to this we're totally ad-libbing it here guys absolutely but um i do just really want to uh applaud you for you know 
dealing with this subject and making this podcast. And, and I want to um, encourage the listeners because, you know, I have several friends going through a similar, sadly, you know, mm. a similar journey right now. And th- they, you know, when you walk down the aisle and get married or you sign up for premarital counseling, nobody prepares you for this stuff. You say, mm. till death do us part. But, but you don't think about it. You never think about it. You don't want to think about mm-hmm. it. And the reality of it is, is, you know, you're going to, if you don't divorce, you're going to, one of you is going to watch the other one die. Mm-hmm. And it could be a quick car accident thing or it could you know but so many times it's a long mm-hmm. you know battle with an illness and so and and I find for myself and my these friends you know we're just not prepared we're prepared how how to make your marriage strong and how to be a good parent and how to have date night and how to discipline your kids and how to be a good Christian but um you're just not really prepared for this type of stuff so and we're hoping we're maybe hoping. this podcast can at least be a launching point to right. help maybe a primer to get you thinking about some of these things. One thing I was, quote, reading the Bible, I was listening to it, um, but I, I count that as reading if sure. you're in the counting. I'm not in the <laughs> counting. But, uh, so I was listening to Ecclesiastes, and, and, um, and here you've got, you know, Solomon going on and on about things and says, well, this is futile and this is futile and well, this is futile. And um, he tried everything and and the wise man in the world and he just couldn't find satisfaction in materialism and women and, and pleasure and all this stuff. And he finally said, you know, it is God. It's knowing God and walking in God. It's not all these things. They can help. I'm not against if you can afford something nice, man, that's awesome. But it's just not about that. Um, and uh, but he but he says he goes, you know what? You need to learn how to enjoy life. Mm. Enjoy life. And I would encourage you to um, don't wait for the tragedy to hit before you realize I haven't been enjoying life or enjoying my partner. Enjoy life. Right now, choose to enjoy life. Yes, absolutely. Well, let me... Let's, yes, go back. No, Sorry. <laughs> no, that was good. We need to uh, set the stage. And, yes. Um, when we're going through these challenges, and, and again, this whole podcast is the idea of that we need to be, uh, that uh, we need to learn how to walk free, right. not walk under obligation to God. We don't have obligation to God. He's given, given us his life to live and express his life through us. It's walking free in who we are and the confidence of his love and the confidence uh, of his grace and walking free and not just talking about it, not just saying, oh, I wish I could. No, you can, it's like some of the Matthew West songs. I love Matthew West. He goes, you know, we pray for God to do something. He goes, well, God, why don't you do something? And the song goes, God did something. He goes, I made you. Right. And so we go walk in love. Mm. And can we walk in love toward our spouse, toward our kids, toward our neighbor, toward our uh, employer, toward whatever, walk in love. But so there are practical things that uh, that we should probably touch on yeah. in these challenges, especially, uh, and this is di- in our different situations, was John the primary wage earner? He was. How did all that work? in the midst of this. Yeah, well, we were both 
you know, working full time outside the home. Um, and so I, I ran into challenges with, um, you know, there was the Family Medical Leave Act, but mm-hmm. that didn't replace that didn't replace my income. It would just held my position. Mm-hmm. So the first time we went through cancer, I it was incredibly stressful because John had sick leave. He was a, a federal employee, thankfully, so he had good benefits, and I can't say enough about that. Mm-hmm. Thank um, the Lord, indeed. Um, and he had, you know, all kinds of leave available to him. But I worked for. Uh, a bank a huge bank in corporate america and um i didn't have a ton of leave so i ended up having to do it was very stressful very very stressful some of the burden of caregiving fell on my youngest child who was in high school um at the time i you know i would run over on lunch breaks to the infusion lab and bring Mm -hmm. him lunch and it was just it was really really hard i was it was yeah wow what and and through all of that so during the process um your whole family life was just upside down yeah and that's one of the things i I, i'd be curious to hear your thoughts on but you know in cancer this huge disease that has so much you know there's so many doctor's visits and there's so much uh, treatment and stuff. When it comes in to a family, it's like a change. It just, you know, it's mm-hmm. like normal life is out the window. It's like that patient and cancer treatment and all the side effects that now becomes the center, the nucleus of the home. And so a lot of, you know, practical things, home maintenance can fall by the wayside. Child rearing and discipline and schedules can eating and family meals and vacations or can be gone I mean it just and that really that's an area where friends and family can really mm. be important and that's a family that's a, also an area where some of that destabilization really starts to impact the children and mm. and everything so yeah I think for uh, for us with our kids being so much younger yeah uh, it was I'm grateful that the state of Georgia had a, before the whole pandemic thing, they had an online school. Now it didn't work great for all our kids, but we did for that year, especially at the last year, 2015, uh, I brought them all under an online school, Georgia uh, Academy something, I forgot it now, but uh, where they could learn and have classes online and be home that's great and it worked out great and my job was such that I could work from home and so I was able to juggle things uh and and work from the house do calls be available Uh, there was times where uh, at some point I couldn't be gone for more than two hours or so because I would really have to help my wife get up to help go to the restroom or go whatever this things you don't think about that yeah and um so yeah, on and off during the, it was the doctor's visits and then uh everything and then managing my son and making sure you know that my with his uh, autism make sure he had his care mm. for him it was just non-stop yeah non-stop and then wound care because then there's burns and oh, wounds yeah. and you have to 
go to wound care specialists and radiation and the chemo infusion and then all the then just the other doctor visits and the surgeon visits and the it's like it seems like it's never ending mm -hmm. and uh, I had no family here my family had already moved I'm not like I mean they were living in my mother and father were living in Tennessee and my brother was uh, away um, my sister was in another state so it was pretty much me yeah and uh, I had a but we had an incredible um, people from teachers from our school from the school mm. parapros uh, church folks did a meal train and I don't cook um, you can ask my kids today. I mean, Stouffer's is my friend um, <laughs> very much. The uh, the Kroger home chef is another dear friend of mine. <laughs> that's what I depend on. But that meal train, it got so much, we almost had to say, stop, stop. Right. We don't have enough room for the leftovers. And you don't have, know how to say that. But we had so many good meals. Uh, that was important for me. Yeah. Did that happen for you? Did you have that? It, yeah, it came in fits and spurts. I mean, that's another thing with prolonged illness is that, you know, there's a big, there's a big, you know, push at the beginning, early diagnosis, come home from surgery, you know, for people to help. But when it goes on year after year mm -hmm. after year, sometimes that's when, you know, and people, they forget, they get right. busy or they can't, they can't, you know, be vigilant with you. Um, so that's where, that's where um, people can really get lost. And, um, and what would you want somebody up. to ask you? You know, the, sometimes people don't know what to say. It's like, well, how can I help? Well, it's like, that's, what's the right question they can ask that you could um, respond to well? Geez. Well, I, I heard somebody say once, um, don't if you have a friend going through something like this don't ask them what can I do to help because then you're really giving them one more thing they have to think of think. a response right um, and then have to worry about your feelings and or they might have a hard time asking for help like a lot of us do mm -hmm. so sometimes it's good to um, just do a little research you know spend time with them he, listen listen mm. to them go over visit them be with them observe take note and then, I mean, the gift of presence, the gift of companionship is huge. Um, and people need that. I know I could not have made it without the companionship. The people that walked through that journey with me couldn't have done it alone. Um, it was hard enough going through periods of that alone. But, but then also what, when you're providing presence and you're being there for your friend, observe and listen. And then come back with an offer and say, Hey, I'm going to watch the kids for you tomorrow. You know, go mm. take care of yourself or, Hey, I'm going to come over and clean your house this weekend. Would you rather it be Saturday or Sunday? Uh. You know, something like that. Or, Hey, I've got some leave. Can I take your spouse to their doctor's appointments this week and let you off the hook that time or, you know, f take a little break from that. Yeah. You made, that's a great point that there's, multiple people suffering the person with the debilitating uh, and this tragic illness and then those who are trying to support the person with the debilitating and tragic illness there's two 
there's two folks who are in various levels of grief and loss and, and confusion and and um, and it's good to be there, as you said, present yeah. with that person and have a thick skin because if sometimes the niceties aren't as nice <laughs> if, or if I, you know, I may forget to say thank you right. or I may say, hey, I need to take care of this, basically saying, you can go ahead and leave now. Right. It's not, don't take that personally. Don't, it's just things, there's just so many things happening. I, you know, this is something I need to take care of. And no, I love you. No, I, I appreciate you. Gotta go. Right. Or I may be in a bad mood. Yeah. You know? Yes. I just may be. And that's okay. in a good place. Yeah. And, and let me be in a bad, you don't even have to cheer me up. No. <laughs> <laughs> It's just let me be in a bad mood. Right. Uh, this job, you know, again, for me, it was I had the ability to work from home, and not many do, but I did. And uh, I had to wrestle with when if I was in the hospital, and uh, and I'm, I'm sure I could have done things better. If I had a big conference call or had to be on, I took it from the waiting room or I took it from somewhere else. And, mm-hmm. you know, some people say, oh, you're not with your wife. Yeah, I'll have to just let you think I'm a pretty blankety blank blank. I, I, you know, I, I, that I'm, I'm having to take care of this, and and although my work was awesome, the folks at, and from at uh, Alcatel Lucent now Nokia and at Alcatel Lucent Enterprise were amazing, mm. uh, supportive, just incredible. But there were some calls I did need to be on just to keep the sure. income going. Right. That's <laughs> yeah. I I wanted to quit too, and second time around I was able to quit and be a full-time caregiver and that was great because we had to travel for treatment out of state and and it became more complicated Mm. but the first time around was brutal it was really hard working full-time I still had two kids at home and they were older so they could help but you know they're suffering did they feel pressure to they yeah they 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 felt their own loss their own fear their own um you know yeah they, they had their own yeah, there's that fight or flight res- response some kids and adults may um just come right under and want to do everything they can right. and others just want to be away they don't want to see that person exactly like did you have different experiences yes. with your kids yes yes i did i had some of all that yeah mm-hmm. I, I had one who just wanted to stay away because uh, they didn't want to either get in the way or they didn't want to remember mom like that. Right. Um, and another who was just there wanted to always be there. And both were just responses. Both were trying to be loving. Right. But that's just how they were, um, how they were choosing to respond. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. What about financial? Did you guys run into some financial um, Well, issues? you know, f- uh, again, our, you know, our insurance benefits were huge, but we did run into financial in, in the sense that, of course, there's all kinds of out-of-pocket expenses, oh, yeah. as you know. Um, even with good insurance, there's so much out-of-pocket expense with a sick person, mm. um, and I, I can't even begin to rattle off all of the things. But, um, but the first, you know, the first go-round, there was the that that hard challenge of we could not live without my income 
And so I could not quit and I couldn't right. go out on, you know, family medical leave um, because then my income wouldn't, I might, you know, my paycheck wouldn't be coming in. So I, so the financial pressure of having to work and not be able to, to be with him like I wanted to and be at all the uh, appointments and, and that was a, that was a hardship in that regard. What was going through your head uh, with all the thoughts uh, when you're working? Did, was it like the enemy attacking you with uh, thoughts of, oh, I'm not, you know, a good wife. And, oh, you're, I could be better. And, or, or about God. Oh, God, why don't you allow me to quit? Yeah, well, you know, that was definitely, I, well, no, to answer your question, fortunately, I didn't struggle with beating myself up. Okay. I, um, I knew I was doing the best I could. I was wishing things were different. Absolutely. And then that, that, that tipped over into my issues with God. And um, I didn't really get angry at him, um, but I have struggled my whole life with trust, mm. trusting God, going back and forth, and is God good? Yes, he is. And then, oh, but then this horrible thing happened, and so, okay, I love you, and you love me, but I don't trust you. And so um, concept of God was really challenged during this 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 period for me how did you work through that that's a tough one that is and there's no short answer it was a process um i i mean god just the healing has really come in the in the after Mm -hmm. words um it's been a long slow process and all i can say is that god just he you know he was there and he loved me even when I was holding him at arm's length, even when I was afraid of him, even when I was just afraid and afraid to trust him, you know, and, uh, and every provision, every act of provision, every act of mercy, every, you know, just every little thing was, I look back and and see him being in the midst of it with me. And then when, you know, after some grief and everything, he really started actively, I would say, pursuing me. Um, he started actively pursuing my heart again. And just through uh, a series of events, he just, he, the love of God just won mm. me over. Mm-hmm. So. so it's like looking in the middle of that moment, keeping God at arm's length. He was still there, but he was allowing you to keep him at arm's length because that's where you were. Yes. And it was okay. It was okay. And that's such a huge thing. I see that now is that he just, you know, he didn't get his feelings hurt. I didn't disappoint him. Mm. You know, I, I didn't like block his, you know, provision. No. Right. He's, And that's so important because... Um, God's not scared of our emotions no. and God's not scared of, you know, if we're, if we're upset with him and we're angry and we don't understand, I, we don't understand. And, it, and, and that's okay that we don't understand. And someone like me, I always want to understand. I want to put all the pieces together and I have to have the right answer. And it's, um, sometimes there's just not a right answer. No. And we have to be uh, and learn to be okay. And God is in us in that process and with us in that 
uh, in it uh, with us through that process. And Absolutely. like you said, sometimes it's just after uh, that we start seeing it and we start seeing him that he's been there loving us and allowing us to do whatever we need to do till we're ready to receive him there's, again. Yes, totally. There's just, I've never seen and experienced grace so tangibly. And when I look back, I can just, it, it blows my mind the way I can see how he ordered my steps. You know, it's like so many, it was just a very, the whole process has been engineered and he prepared me for losing my husband years before it even happened. And I can just see his, his engineering in it all. And then that makes me love him and trust him all the more. But he never, he never withheld that love or provision because I was struggling. Mm. That is so good. This, uh, the fact that we can see it now, and, you know, the scripture tells us that man plans his way, mm. but the Lord directs his steps. And we don't always see the Lord directing our steps, but he is always directing our steps. And, and yes, we choose, and, less, and yes, we have the freedom to choose, and we choose good paths and sometimes sketchy paths. Right. Saying that's, <laughs> but the Lord is with us and all that, and he's just loving us and directing us and loving us, and that's what he does. Uh, you know, when we talk about emotions, and now for a guy, especially my personality type, emotions are like, ah, <laughs> I fear emotions. Um, <laughs> oh, that's right. I just expressed one. Okay, good. Um, what were some of the emotions that you had to, for, I'll stop on that for, for me, I, I yeah. was about to say for me, but let me, what were some of the emotions that you had to deal with during um, the, the process or the time of hearing the cancer diagnosis uh, until uh, John passed away? What were those emotions? Well, fear was probably the ever-present dominant emotion, mm-hmm. but, and I think that's a, that's probably going to be a top five one for most people in mm-hmm. that situation, but I will say, um, and I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, <laughs> I'm going to reference Enneagram here. Yes. For those of you that are um, Enneagram literate, I am a six and fear is our, um, that is our base sin mm-hmm. <laughs> sin stronghold struggle whatever you want to call it that's right. what we struggle with so this is a six's worst nightmare of a, a wife losing her strong husband because i married that man because he was a sense of security for me mm. and now it looked like he was leaving right and so that was my worst fear and 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 you know as somebody who deals with fears i i i want to live in my head creating my plans okay I want to predict I want to know what's going to happen I want to be ahead of it I want to forecast and then I want to have plans to try and right deal with these fears you know um in the now and in the future so that was the that was a Mm. that was the prevailing one was fear was it fear mostly of the abandonment or fear of being alone or fear of um, the financial impact or fear of oh, what about my kids or just all the above? It was all the above, but I, um, it was, it was probably the, the fear of pain too, you know, 
and mm. just the fear of, um, uh, yeah, I think being alone, being mm-hmm. alone and without support. Mm-hmm. That was my, my biggest fear. Well, as an Enneagram one, <laughs> there you go. Uh, uh, it was, am I doing enough? Uh, am yes. I doing everything right? Making all the right decisions. Um, and, uh, making sure the doctors were right, although they're a thousand times smarter, smarter than I am, but still is this, and, and the fear of making the wrong choice yeah. and not being there enough and doing enough and performing enough and, and, um, not in, in a sense of when we talk from a grace perspective of getting my identity through performance, but it's more of, is there more I can do? And even there, sometimes we have to learn to stop, um, and as one of our staff people who hates my tagline, <laughs> tagline on this podcast, stop talking, start walking. Uh, sometimes we need to stop walking, you know, and since we're a counseling ministry, stop walking, start talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you know, but uh, I come at this from a little different angle. But uh, yeah, it was uh, those emotions. I don't have a lot of emotions, but when, it, when I do, it's either anger. Mm-hmm. Um, and an anger uh, that either someone's not doing something right or they could do more and dealing with that or anger at God. God, you know, you are a God who can heal. So what's up? Right. And going through the, hey, you know, Lord, I'm serving you and I've been doing this and I'm in ministry for 30 years and doing corporate work and funding, whatever. All, I'm doing all this stuff. Where are you, God? And he's, I'm right here. Well, can I ask you a question then? Because yes. that raises a, uh, a question that I, I think is important. Um, do you feel like your the church and your Christian life, everything, you know, all the Sunday school classes, all the Bible studies, all mm-hmm. the books from the Christian bookstore you bought and read, do you feel like all of that prepared you to deal with Brenda's illness and death and being a widower and... No, uh, I, I, I don't think those specifically did, to be honest. Uh, it wasn't um, the, uh, I think what prepared me, knowing the Bible didn't prepare me. Um, going to, and I'm a big student of the Bible, I love the Bible. Uh, I think what, per, I would not be in the same place, and I don't know if I could have handled it in the same way, had I not understood and comprehended at some level um, God's grace mm. and his love for me, that uh, if I don't do everything right, if I, if I do make the wrong decisions at times or I'm not doing enough, I'm still okay with him, that I'm loved. Uh, it was that moment where I came to understand his grace uh, and learning how to walk in that grace that be, I think that's what really helped me uh, because for such a long time uh, I was a performer for God and I was just checking off boxes, checking off boxes and, and, and when you're in the midst of this and you have work and you're a caregiver and you have kids and family, you just can't check all the boxes. No. There's just no way. And for an Enneagram One, that's like anathema. That's like, that's like um, failure in a big way and that's something that uh, I had to learn to let go that it's okay if the boxes don't get checked and it's okay 
my wife, even in her illness, hired someone to cut our grass. So I can cut our grass. <laughs> I can. I can do. No. Oh, you poor delusional. Thing. Exactly. That's. Uh, we, and we hired someone to come and clean our house. Now we could afford that a little bit. We had a little extra money. Um, uh, it was stretches, but we did that, and probably the best thing we did. Right. We didn't have to worry about it. What about you? Yeah, that's interesting, you know, to hear you say that because as a one, that would be a perfect undoing mm-hmm. because you cannot get it all done. And no. You cannot make all the perfect decisions and you cannot control it, right? Right. You cannot be a perfect anything exactly. in that state of chaos. Um, and it was my perfect undoing because there is no getting away from the fear mm. Um of death and being alone and pain and all of that. So, so yeah, it was, um, it was, it was the opportunity of a lifetime to finally really get free from some things. Right. Didn't feel like it at the time. No. Um, and, 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 you know, frankly, fear is always going to be an issue for me. It's probably, you know, in, in your, your, um, your performance-driven mm-hmm. tendencies or flesh, it's always going to be an issue for you to some degree, right? It will. It, it's flesh is not going to go away. No, but but wow. You know, it, there's a real turning the corner in an experience like that. But to answer your question, um, no, I did not feel like anything in my Christian formative experience really prepared me much for death and dying and loss. And I I think it's because I found that whole process to be so, um, it's so human, you know? And we're not allowed to be human as Christians sometimes. As Christians, there's all this emphasis on our spirituality, on our walk with Christ, on our devotional life, on our hearts and minds. Did you memorize your verses today? Right. (laughs) You know, and it's like, it's there and and illness, sickness, fear, death, kids house being going to hell. I mean, life going to hell. I mean, that's, That's real stuff. If you're a good Christian, though, that doesn't happen, right? Right, right. And so I just was like, wow, all the emotions, mm-hmm. all the pain, physical pain, all of the decisions, all the practicals of I'm exhausted or insurance or, you know. And, and then afterwards, just the, the overwhelm, the, the mental, you know, the, the, the mental fog of grief. Right. You know, the distractibility the irritability the self-medicating you know whether mm-hmm. it be binging out in front of tv or shopping or eating right. too much or whatever the comforting the, the need to soothe and comfort yourself the just the lot the dips in your faith you know yep. where you feel so far from god and you, or you're mad mm-hmm. at him all that stuff is so human and it uh, you just we don't talk about it enough we need to give permission for people to be human yeah that it's okay to be human you are human but see uh, enneagram one we don't think we think we're superhuman <laughs> so it's uh but uh, let me and i know we're we're gone a little over oh, from no. our normal podcast it's so you know just so refreshing to talk through these um challenging um ideas uh, let me ask 
uh, a couple more questions and we'll just go through them quickly. Okay. Um, let me just, I'm going to do these last, uh, these uh, last couple about uh, what would you do differently? Uh, if anything, um, knowing now, you know, what you know and you've been through it, what would you do differently? Oh gosh, do you have a quick answer for that one? Uh, something immediately come to your mind? I think for me, um, I would uh, get, I would give myself permission uh, to rest, which I still have trouble doing today uh, in terms of doing differently. Uh, I, I would not, uh, I would say stop and you don't just let things go a little bit more. Mm. I don't have to do everything. Uh, I would uh, invite more people in. I'm more of a loner. And this is where you do so well. You're a great networker of people. And I think you had some good support that yes. you, um, I didn't. Mm. And um, I had good support, but I wasn't necessarily letting people in relationally. I had great support out here and, and that wonderful, but uh, maybe one or two I might uh, let in. I would do that differently. I would intentionally go seek it out. Uh, uh, that's something I learned. I'm going to answer your question this way. I think the one thing I did well mm -hmm. that came to me that I would encourage every, every other caregiver to do is self-care. When we moved to Nashville and then we found the cancer right after we moved, I got involved in a cancer support community. Right. And it was called Gilda's House, and they have them all over the country. But um, I got involved, this total free um, nonprofit, and I got into counseling. I got into a support group with other caregivers. I got into exercise and nutrition classes, and I just was gently, lovingly, I was given community. Um, and I was just really encouraged that, you know what, when this is over, you need to you need to still be here and mm -hmm. you don't need to then have to deal with your own mental health breakdown or physical mm -hmm. breakdown. And the best way you can love your, your loved one who's fighting cancer is to take care of yourself so that you can be more there for them, more there for your family. And so that when they're gone, mm -hmm. you know, you're, you know, they've left you and they don't have to worry about you as much. Right. So it's made recovery and healing and leading my family a little, a lot easier because I haven't had to deal with my own, you know, right mess. You know. Well, let me, I think that's a good place to end with that encouragement. Yeah. And what I would say is if you are struggling right now, well, that's what we do at Grace Ministries. That we is. can help you out. Uh, you can call us, uh, 770-690-0433. Uh, you can go to the website if it's up and running. Have a little <laughs> website attack. Won't go into that. We're trying to get that fixed. Uh, hopefully it'll be fixed by the time you're hearing this uh, episode. But um, you can go to our website. We've got a lot of exciting new things that we're going to be launching over the next uh, month or two that I think you're going to really love that will help, uh, help you uh, as you are dealing with just life struggles or if you're in something uh, like what Tammy and I had to go through. I hope you're not, but if you are, uh, we'll have some resources. You can call us. We have counsel, uh, counselors that can help you through it. And um, 
that's what we want to do is to minister to you. So I thank you for listening and wherever you are, I hope that you can step out by faith, walk by faith and trust your heavenly father who loves you. You've been listening to Walking Free, a production of Grace Ministries International in Marietta, Georgia. For more information, go to our website at gment.org. That's G-M-I-N-T dot O-R-G.